Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the John Clay Podcast. I'm John Clay, sports columnist with the Lexington Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. It is Wednesday, August the 24th, 2022, and the college football season is upon us. We have games actually this Saturday, week zero, they call it in the college football schedule lingo, but we've got games this Saturday. And on this particular podcast, we are going to preview the FBS, FCS teams in Kentucky, other than Kentucky and Louisville. Uh, we had a podcast earlier this week where we talk with John Hale, who covers UK football for the uh, Lexington Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. And we'll have plenty of podcasts next week and leading on through the season about Kentucky football. We'll have a podcast next week previewing Louisville football with uh, Jody Demling, who's an expert on all things Cardinals. But right now we're going to talk about Eastern Kentucky, Western Kentucky, Moorhead State, and Murray. And I talked to the sports information directors at all four of those schools, the primary football contacts, uh, to get the information and the outlooks outlook for those four teams as they get ready to start their season. I talked with Rickson Lane, who is the primary sports information contact for Eastern Kentucky football. I talked with Tyler Roper, who is the uh, SID for Western Kentucky football. I talked with Parker Griffith about Murray State football. And then I talked with Matt Schraber over at Moorhead about the Eagles heading into the 2022 season. So let's kick it off. We're going to start off with the Eastern Kentucky Colonels. Uh, then we're going to talk about Western Kentucky, Moorhead State, and Murray in our FBS FCS college football preview. Okay, my guest now on the podcast is Rickson Lane, who's the Director of Athletics Communications at Eastern Kentucky University, uh, the football contact at EKU, and wanted to talk to Rickson about the uh, Colonel's 2022 season. First of all, how are you doing, Rickson? I'm doing well, John. I appreciate you having me on. Well, I appreciate you doing this. Uh, the Colonel's coming off a seven and four year last season, four and two in the Atlantic Sun, uh, second season under Walt Wells, first first full season under Walt Wells, a COVID year the year before. Well, what is the outlook for Eastern going into this season? You know, I think that nationally, you know, people are, are starting to to pay a little bit of attention to the Colonels after after a strong season last year. They're receiving votes in multiple polls. They were number 24 in the Athlon preseason FCS poll. So I think that people are uh, taking notice a little bit of what of what, how they specifically how they closed last year with a with a five win, you know, five game winning streak in the middle of the season, then the big win in the opportunity bowl over Jacksonville State. And then just looking at the roster and seeing how many talented guys are back and experienced and guys who have played a lot of football here in Richmond. So I think that the people are starting to think that starting to kind of see what's building uh here here with the Colonels and I think they're getting excited about it as they should be. Yeah, talk a little bit about Walt Wells, and uh, as I said, this will be his second full season, came over UK, was on Mark Stoop's staff at Kentucky, really seems to me, looking from the outside, that he's really uh, built a lot of enthusiasm there uh, in Richmond, and people are pretty excited about the, the job he's done so far. Well, I mean, I think that's certainly the case. I mean, when you look at you know, last year, EKU's top 15 in the country in attendance in FCS, I mean, I think that number kind of speaks for itself as to the excitement that, that people feel right now about Colonel's football. And, and Coach Wells has done a phenomenal job, as you mentioned, coming into an incredibly difficult situation with the first season having so much affected by COVID. And, and people obviously – 
know that the, that meant that there were fewer people at the games and things like that. But what but what they maybe don't consider is you know how that affects practice, how that affects your meeting times, you know how that affects travel. You know, there was a lot of stuff that had to be changed over uh, for a new staff um, in that first year that that people just don't think about when it comes to the day to day operations of how your programs run. And so having dealt with that in year one, I mean, to look at what this program and the staff was able to do in year two, I think is, is pretty phenomenal to go from, from three wins to seven wins, which is the biggest single season jump in wins uh, in the history of this program going from three to seven. Uh, and then to have, you know, kind of what they built and kind of a good foundation laid here going into year three. I mean, I think it's a testament to, to what Coach Wells has done in, in a relatively short time here and you know, being named the A-Sun Coach of the Year last year in the AFCA FCS Region 3 Co-Coach of the Year as well. I think that pe- people are, are noticing the job that he and his staff have done in, in kind of getting this program uh, heading in a, in a positive direction. You mentioned the A-Sun. Of course, Eastern making the transition from the OVC to the Atlantic Sun. How's that gone so far? What's that been like? You know, I mean, it's it's certainly been a challenge. You know, you're stepping up in competition. You're stepping up against you know, institutions that, are, that have a great tradition and a great history of success. And not that there weren't those in the OVC, but there are those in the A-Sun as well. And it's just it's just an adjustment, you know, obviously for for the type of student athlete that you're bringing in and the, and the caliber of the competition they're going to face week in and week out. Uh, but it's but it's a challenge that I think that the program has really embraced and and certainly this year you know very excited to be able to compete for you know the first A Sun championship. There wasn't a full season last year because because of the schedule you didn't have enough teams. But this year you know you're going to crown an A Sun champion for the first time in in the history of the league in football. And so I think that's a that's a that's a really big goal for for every team in the league. And it's and it's very exciting to be a part of that that initial chase. Okay, let's uh, take a look at Eastern, uh, starting with the offense players to watch. I assume that starts with uh, Parker McKinney, the quarterback. Uh, is he the guy that makes the Colonels go? And who, who else on the offense should fans look for this season? Well, certainly, you know, when you talk about football, your offense, you hope that it does start with your quarterback. Um, <laughs> and, and and obviously, you know, having Parker back for you know his redshirt junior, you know, he's a redshirt junior, but he, he's been in the program now. Uh, for five years, you know, he's going into a third year uh, or third years as a full-time starter. And, and I think that what he has been able to do uh, in his time here is pretty remarkable. And you know, Parker's got a chance to go down as, as one of the best quarterbacks to ever play in this program. And they've certainly had some good ones come through here. So to, for him to be kind of working his way into that conversation says a lot about him. Uh, he, he's a very a well-respected player in that huddle and, and in that team. Guys, guys look up to him. He he's, he leads by example. Not a real, not a real loud guy. Not not a very you know vocal or fiery guy. But just just a guy who comes in and gets gets his job done and, and works really hard. And and the numbers back it up when you look at you know what he did last year, accumulating over three thousand yards of total offense, which had only been done by one player in the history of the program before last season. Uh, the work that he's put in is is really been showing on the field, and and he's certainly you know he's certainly not the only one on that offense to look at. I mean, if you look up front, you know, bringing in a guy like Karon Calvert, who has experience, you know, starting in the SEC and playing at Tennessee, and and a guy that's just played a lot of football uh, in his collegiate career, bringing him in. Uh, is certainly going to help uh, boost that offensive line. You've got Peyton Collins coming back, who was a freshman All-American last season. He's been someone who's logged a lot of snaps. Tucker Schroeder's back, you know, for a, for a sixth season, and that's a guy again who, a lot like Parker's, is very well respected. So you've got a lot of guys up front uh, that you're really excited about. And then you know, at tight end, obviously, you know, Dakota Allen, who's you know, uh, going to be, I think, looked at potentially as one of the better tight ends in FCS this season. He's already being talked about that way, and I think he has a chance to to really make an impact, not just uh, in the program, but nationally this year. A guy who came in as a quarterback and, and transitioned over to tight end and has just done everything that's been asked of him and has a chance to really to really make a big mark this season within the program. And then out on the on the on the wide receiver position, I mean, you've got Jaden Smith and J- and Jaden Higgins, uh, who are two guys who came in as freshmen last year and competed and played a lot of a lot of quality snaps and made a lot of big plays. And now a second season for them. And and you know the it's always interesting to see the jump that players make from freshman to sophomore year. And those two guys have looked very comfortable in the offense. 
going into going into the start of this season. And then in the backfield, you know, you've got guys like you no know, Braden Sloan and Keandre McGlure who who weren't the featured back last year, but they did get get some good snaps and did some good things for the Colonels and and looking to continue their productivity. So offensively, you know, there's there's a lot to be excited about for this football team. And what about on the other side of the ball defensively? How did they feel going into this year and who who are some players to watch on the defensive side? Well, obviously, you know, when, like you said, the offense starts with Parker McKinney, and the defense starts with Matt Jackson. You know, he, he's won, he's won basically every preseason accolade you could possibly receive this this fall. So there's there's very high expectations for him, as there should be, because he he's proven to be a, a really strong player and and a guy who's who's the leader of that defense. You know, he's a He's a consensus preseason All-American. He was the consensus preseason defensive player of the year. He's on the Buck Buchanan watch list again this season going into the year. So people expect him to do big things. And and I'd be... I'd be crazy to say I don't think that he expects any different. I think he expects to to, to be a big to be a big part of that defense as well. Um, he has very high expectations for himself and for that unit. So it, it all kind of flows from that. But then up front, you know, you've got two guys uh, in in Kelton Dawson and, and T.K. McClendon who are Division One transfers who who came in and and played well last season. And they're going to be expected to take a leap this year. Shane Burks up front's played a lot of ball for for Eastern as well, and a guy who's been around the program for a long time and and really a, a very well respected player. Uh, up front for 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 the defensive side of the ball, just like Tucker and Kayron are uh, on the offensive side of the ball. You know, Eli Hairston's back at linebacker and and Kylan Robinson, who's a, a transfer coming in from from Northwest Mississippi Community College uh, as a guy who's expected to, to lock some good minutes for them and, and be a big factor. And then on the back end, you know, you've got you got Joseph Sales, who's kind of the veteran in that group and who you know, was tied for the team lead in interceptions last year and is a guy who who has you know, seen it all and is going to be expected to kind of lead lead that back unit and then. You know, John Blunt and Mike Smith Jr. are two guys on the corners that I know the coaches are excited about and think could do some big things. You know, John was here last year and uh, and started a couple of games, played played some good snaps, and then Mike coming in from Appalachian State, you know, they think that he could be a, a big contributor as well. So, you know, defensively, you've just got a lot. You've got guys who've played a lot of ball and guys who who have who have made impacts. In the past, and I think that they're they're they they hold themselves to a very high standard, much like the offense does. And I think that Coach Johnson holds them to that standard as well at, at the defense coordinator position, and and that they're, they're expecting to be a, a big part of whatever success CKU hopefully has this fall. Uh, Rickson, looking at Eastern schedule, it's a very challenging schedule. They open up Friday night, uh, seven o'clock at Eastern Michigan. Then they've got Bowling Green the next week. Then you get the conference. Obviously, as you mentioned, a tough conference this year. Uh, just talk a little bit about the schedule, and are, are there a game or two that you're looking at that, boy, these uh, these particular games are really going to be key to Eastern season. Well, you know, obviously, I mean, you, you, you hope that every game is, is, uh, is, <laughs> right. is crucial and important. And I'm sure that if coach were here, that's what he would say is that, you know, we're just, we're worried about Eastern Michigan right. until midnight on September 2nd. Then we'll worry about Bowling Green. But, you know, obviously to have an opportunity to go to two, to two FBS programs the first two weeks of the season is huge. And it's a chance to, to, to see where, where you stack up and you're really going to get a good feel for your team and, and how they, how they can handle, you know, the adversity early in the season with those two opportunities, and you got a chance to to do something special. Um, and then, you know, the the schedule's tough. I mean, it's, there's no way to say it. I mean, you play your first three out of four games on the road, um, and that first road game uh, in conference play against Austin P is critical. Uh, that's a game that kind of uh, you know, sparked this team last year. You know, that was the first of the of the first win in that five game winning streak over a ranked Austin P team here at here at Roy Kidd Stadium. So that's going to be a huge game. That that's going to be a, a a great way to start a Sun competition. You know, you've got Sam Houston coming in October fifteenth, and that that's not a an A Sun game, but it's it's part of that A Sun whack uh, challenge that they have going this year. And Sam Houston's what two years removed from winning a national championship so you know they're going to be a tough opponent uh and then you've got central arkansas on november 5th uh which that series to have only have played three games uh i'd put eku central arkansas up as one of the most entertaining series uh of any in fcs i think they've played three games so far uh in history in the last two years and i think they've been decided by a combined 
15 points, I believe. Wow. So that series has been incredibly entertaining. Uh, it was, it was a great game last year, uh, down at central Arkansas. And, and then, you know, you wrap the regular season against the Kennesaw state team here at home on senior day. That's projected by pretty much everybody to be a, a top 15. And in some cases, a top 10 team this year, and they're preseason favorites to win the a sun. And, and you've got them at home on senior day, uh, and you know, you'll, you see what, what the ramifications are when you get there. But yeah, I mean, you look at the schedule. I mean, there's, there's not a game on the schedule. I think that you circle one way or the other and say, you know, that's you no, know, you mark that down as a, as a winner. You mark that down as a loss. There's, there's 11 fun opportunities on, on the schedule this year for, for fans to come out and, and see this program. And, and it's going to be fun to, to see what happens when, uh, when they get started. Well, obviously, uh, Walwell seems to have the Colonels on the rise. I know there's a lot of excitement about Eastern for this season uh, with the A-Sun and coming off that seven-win season a year ago. Rickson, tell the listeners what's the best way to follow Eastern this season. Tell them where they can follow you on Twitter and uh, where they can check out the EKU football information online. Well, obviously, you know, if you go to ekusports.com, you know, that's the place to get all the most up-to-date information on you know, releases, schedules, and things of that nature. Uh, you can also follow follow the Colonels on social at ekufootball on uh, Twitter and Facebook and at eku underscore football on Instagram as well. We put a lot of content out there, and we appreciate everybody who, who checks that out and shares it for us and, and kind of spreads the word about our program. And we certainly appreciate you know, media folks like you who, who cover the Colonels and, and let people know what's going on with us. Uh, and then personally, you know, if, if anybody wants to, to reach out to me for, for whatever they may need, um, I'm at Rickson Lane on Twitter. Uh, if anybody needs any any assistance uh, locating anything re- regarding EKU football, be happy to do whatever I can to, to help. Well, good luck to the Colonels starting Friday night against Eastern Michigan. We'll be uh, anxiously see how they fare up there and the rest of the year uh, under Walt Wells. And Rickson, we really appreciate you being on the podcast. Thank you so much, John. I enjoyed it. Okay, my thanks to Rickson Lane of Eastern Kentucky Football for that scouting report on the Colonels. And after the break, we'll be talking with Tyler Roper about the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers who opened the season this Saturday against Austin P down in Bowling Green. Okay, my guest now on the podcast is Tyler Roper, who is the Associate Director of Communications at Western Kentucky University and the football contact for the Hilltoppers. How's it going, Tyler? Doing well. How are you, John? Tyler, you you guys are, I know you're really busy because you guys opened the season. Uh, You're the very first game, I believe, uh, on Saturday. Western plays uh, Austin P. Uh, What's it like for, (laughs) for you guys to play, to have that very first game? Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're really excited. You know, um, for about 30 minutes, we'll be the only college football game in America going. So <laughs> we're on uh, we're on CBS Sports Network, and we're really excited that we get a nationally televised game. And for at least that half an hour or so, um, all eyes will be on us for all those uh, crazy college football fans out there that just want to want to welcome the sport back so we're excited to get things going here yeah that's great that's great and western coming off a nine win season last year nine and five seven and one in conference usa they played in the conference uh, usa title game and then they beat appalachian state in the boca raton bowl i know some changes uh for western this year uh under uh, coach tyler helton uh what 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 is the outlook for the hilltoppers going into this year yeah, uh, a lot of new faces, and the coaching staff definitely got shuffled a bit. And lots of the uh, the big names that were making headlines and breaking records were uh, have moved on to the NFL, or you know, we lost a few guys to the transfer portal. So the uh, the key is, like you said, is just reshuffling. And how can we replicate last year's success? I think uh, even though there are a lot of new faces, there is still some continuity. Um, especially at the skill positions on offense and a lot of our defenders. And so, um, you know, Coach Helton's really, really excited about the group he has back. And it's just a matter of uh, going out there on week zero and seeing seeing what you have and how it all works together. 
Well, let's let's start with that Western Kentucky offense, a very explosive, very productive offense last year under offensive coordinator Zach Kidley. But as you mentioned, Zach is now at Texas Tech and then very successful quarterback in Bailey Zappi, who is, as you mentioned, in the NFL draft choice of the New England Patriots with the Patriots here in the in the preseason. And from what I've read, has done really well for the Patriots. Uh, what about what about that offense? Who is the new uh, offensive coordinator? And the big question I know is who who's the Western quarterback going to be, or do we know at this point? Yeah. So offensive coordinator is going to be Ben Arbuckle and he was on staff last year, working with the quarterbacks, working with the offense. So really, even though coach Kitley has moved on to Texas tech, the hope is that things can really remain the same. You know, obviously coach Arbuckle is going to have his own little wrinkles that he's going to throw into the offense and things will look a little bit different, but um, Coach Helton's really excited about the continuity that he has there because he had someone under Coach Kitley last year that knew the system, was learning, was growing, and now it's his turn to step into the spotlight and call the plays. Um, In terms of quarterback, um, Austin Reed is going to be the starting quarterback that you're going to see on Saturday. He's a Division II transfer from West Florida where he was a two-year starter down there. He won the uh, 2019 National Championship at his school and really put up some impressive numbers um, in two seasons, was ready to uh, move on and challenge himself a little bit more, see if he could play at a higher level. And he came in and he uh, won the starting quarterback job during fall camp. So they're really excited about him and think that he's going to be able to keep the offense ticking at an explosive level. Who are some other Hilltoppers to watch on offense besides uh, Austin Reed at quarterback? Yeah, you know, they're uh, really blessed with some um, impressive skill players returning this season. I think the wide receiver group is really loaded. Um, some name to- names to watch there. Uh, Daywood Davis is going to be a really big part of this offense. He was a really big deep threat for the Hilltoppers last year, I believe, uh, If I remember the number off the top of my head, he averaged 17.4 yards per reception last season. So he he definitely loves catching the deep ball. Uh, Malachi Corley is another receiver that's coming back who set all sorts of freshman receiving records for WKU last year. Um, Dalvin Smith is a wide receiver that um, had a really impressive freshman season, and then he's kind of been battling some injuries, but they think that he's fully healthy and ready to go. Um, The tight ends are going to be a really big part of the offense this year. Um, Josh Simon was a, uh, was supposed to be a really big part of that offense last year, but unfortunately had a season ending injury in the first game against UT Martin. He, uh, and in that one game, even though he played, I, I believe it was three quarters, he only caught three passes, but two of them were for touchdowns. So they're excited to add his production. And then his, uh, his counterpart on the other side of the line, Joey Belgian, a little bit more of a blocking run game type of tight end, but a, a lethal threat inside the red zone. I think, you know, um, if you look at his stats last year, he caught six touchdowns, if I remember off the top of my head. Um, but all of those were um, on short receptions inside the red zone. So um, don't be surprised if you see Western spread the wealth on offense this year. And a lot of guys are going to get a lot of touches. And they that's the goal is just get the ball to their playmakers in space and let them do their thing. Yeah, like I said, Western, one of the most productive offenses in the country last season. Obviously, want to keep that going. What what about the other side of the ball on defense? How does Coach Helton feel about the defense? And and what uh, who are some guys to watch on that end? Yeah, I think uh, they're really, really excited about the defense. Um, you know, Last year's team got a lot of recognition on offense, and rightfully so. They had all sorts of records, and they were one of the top two offenses in the country statistically. But what people don't realize about this defense from last season is that they were number two in the country in takeaways. Wow. So they are they are a unit that can turn the ball over and get the offense back on the field, and they return a lot of the big names from from that defense from last year. Um, Coach Helton really, really likes their depth up front. Um, they've got a Solid defensive line unit. A couple names up there. Juwan Jones is an established veteran in this program, sixth-year player who's uh, climbing the school school record charts and sacks. Wouldn't be surprised if he's the all-time leader by the end of the season. Um, they really like their nose tackle and Broderick Martin, just a mammoth of a player up front. It's, he's going to move some offensive linemen around and create holes for the linebackers to go in and do their dirty work. Uh, Darius Ship is another guy that's been around the program for a really long time. 
Um, Linebacker-wise, they really like their depth as well. They've got a pair of SEC transfers in Will Ignat and Jaden Hunter coming from Tennessee and Georgia who have been around the program for a couple of years now that are going to be really productive players. A, uh, a young edge line edge rusher in Jacques Evans who had a really good freshman season and they expect to be a storied name by the time he leaves the program. And then as you, uh, as you get into the secondary, they really like their depth there as well. Uh, Khalif Halassi is um, going to be a corner that they're going to rely on heavily to shut down the best receiver. Well, maybe not shut down, but at least they're going to put him on the best receiver every single week. Um, and he's going to draw a lot of tough assignments, but they trust him alone out on an island. And then uh, they're confident in their safeties as well. They've got A.J. Brathwaite and um, Caleb Oliver, Oliver being a uh, transfer from Georgia Tech that they think can, uh, you know, prevent the deep ball and rack up a lot of tackles as well. And Western schedule, uh, as we've already talked about, they open up the season Saturday against Austin P. Uh, very challenging schedule, looks like, for the Hilltoppers. Uh, got a uh, trip to Hawaii, I know, on September the 4th. Then they've got to add Indiana on September 17th. Well, what about the Western schedule? And is there a game or two? I know they're all very important games, but is there a game or two that really you look to, at least in the preseason, to say this will be a key game for the Hilltoppers? Yeah, well, if you if you ask Coach Helton, he's def- definitely going to tell you it's a one-game-at-a-time <laughs> mentality, as I'm sure most coaches would. But, um, you know, um, it, it's a really interesting schedule. You, the, this thing could go a lot of ways coming out of preseason. Um, Austin P is a challenging FCS team that they're going to have to really play their best to, to beat. All week, Coach Helton's been saying he thinks this is going to be a four-quarter ball game, um, that they're not going to be able to take their guys out and the they're going to have to play four complete quarters of football in order to get a win. Um, that Hawaii game is just challenging. You know, um, Hawaii is kind of a, a bit of a question mark because they had a lot of turnover in their program this year. Um, a new head coach, a lot of players transferring in and out. Um, but, you know, that uh, that trip all the way out to Hawaii, I believe it's a 10-hour plane ride from Bowling Green, Kentucky, and that that uh, time change that you're up against is no small task. That's a great equalizer. So the trick is getting out there and acclimating to the time and seeing if you can get a win. If you're 2-0 and after the Hawaii game, you're feeling really good because you're going into bye week, and then you get a whole extra week to prepare for Indiana. Um, Indiana came to Bowling Green last year and played a, uh, a really, really tight game, um, ended up winning that one over the Hilltoppers 33-31. to and so I'm sure that uh, all the guys down there in the locker room have that game circled on their calendar as a, uh, as a you know, a revenge game. Right. Um, they're going to they're gonna want to go get another crack at Indiana on their home field and, and try to get a win there. So if you're, if you're able to do that with an extra week of rest, you're, uh, you're, you know, and you can catch Indiana on the right week, you're, you're looking at 3-0 and heading into conference play. So, I, you know, the keys there are uh, – Escaping Hawaii with a win, given all the uh, the time change and everything there, and going into a P5 game in Indiana, and then and then the one that everyone talks about actually comes at the end of the year when um, we get to go play Auburn on their home field um, on November 19th, an opportunity to go play an SEC school, and you know one of the more storied programs in the country is something that everyone's going to be talking about, even though you're trying to take it one game at a time. Right, right. And then obviously the Conference USA schedule, a tough schedule. I know that game uh, October 8th at Texas San Antonio, a uh, rematch of the conference title game, uh, you know, and a lot of really good programs in Conference USA. I think uh, they probably don't get enough attention. UTSA's won at UAB over the year, over the last few years. I know they've had a coaching change with Coach Clark stepping down, but uh, Conference USA, I think overall, and I know there's been some changes in the league going into this year, but it's still a very tough league. It is. And, um, you know, the tops were picked third in the preseason poll behind those two teams you mentioned in UTSA and UAB. So um, I'm sure that they're uh, they're going to be ready for those games when the time comes. They had two games against UTA, UTSA last year, excuse me, um, one here in Bowling Green. That was a shootout, as you'd expect. The Roadrunners got the best of them. And then they they met again in the conference championship game in San Antonio and again played another shootout and 
couldn't quite come out on top. So I'm sure that they're going to be really looking forward to getting another crack at those guys, um, especially considering that they're leaving the league at the end of the year. And then, uh, you know, you mentioned that UAB game as well. That game got bumped to a Friday night kick here in Bowling Green. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I believe, right. you know, the, the Hilltoppers are planning a blackout for that game. So I'm sure the crowd's going to be getting into it. And those are going to be a couple of really fun conference environments for for those games. But, you know, like you said, top to bottom, it's going to be a challenging schedule. I don't think you you look at this Conference USA schedule and you can say that you can take any weeks off or you can plan, you know, you can circle that one as a win. Um, Coach Helton's very, very adamant that the league is strong from top to bottom. Everyone's improved from a season ago, and so they're going to have to, you know, play even better than they did last year if they want to replicate or improve on the success that they had. Yeah, uh, well, obviously a lot of optimism around Western Kentucky football coming coming into this year after the uh, showing of last year. Uh, some question marks, but we'll, it's going to be really interesting to see how that all plays out. And it starts Saturday, 11 a.m. Central Time there in Bowling Green when Austin P comes to town for the very first game on the college football schedule. Uh, CBS Sports Network, as Tyler mentioned, has the uh, broadcast. Uh, tell the listeners uh, how they can follow you on Twitter or how they can follow uh, Western Kentucky online, how they can get all their information about Western Kentucky football this season. Yeah, well, I'll just tell them to follow the tops because if you're following me, essentially what you're going to see is a lot of retweets from the WK football okay. account. So cut out so, the middleman. I'll go right to the yeah. – okay. That's right. So, uh, you know, follow us on Twitter, WKU Football. Um, same on Instagram. We're on Facebook as well. Um, pumping out a lot of great content. We've got a lot of talented people here that will try to make a good experience for our fans and make it easy to follow this year. Well, great. Be sure, everybody, be sure and check check out all the information on Western Kentucky football. I look forward to that game on Saturday, opening up college football, and we really appreciate you being on the podcast. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me, John. Okay, my thanks to Tyler Roper of Western Kentucky University for that scouting report on the Hilltoppers. And after the break, we'll be talking with Parker Griffith down at Murray State about the racers. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Okay, my guest now on the podcast is Parker Griffiths with Media Relations at Murray State University. He's the primary football contact for the racers. How you doing, Parker? Good, John. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for uh, – appreciate you being on the podcast. I want to talk about the outlook for Murray State football this year under uh, Dean Hood, who Kentucky fans know well, was an assistant coach for Mark Stoops before taking the job at Murray. And, of course, before coming to Kentucky, he was the head coach at Eastern Kentucky. Dean's third year there in Murray. What What is the outlook for Murray State football this year? Well, John, I think it's pretty good. Uh, and, of course, I'm slightly biased, uh, <laughs> That's obviously. okay. Uh, uh, but I think it's good. You know, um, Dean put together back-to-back winning seasons for the first time in, in, since 2010, 2011. And I think it was maybe the third time in, in over 30 years. So uh, he, so we're getting there. We had a really good outing his first year. Uh, that was the COVID shortened season. Um, basically lost in a de facto title game, uh, last year, uh, he had some really unfortunate scheduling. He caught just about everybody coming off their bye week, uh, but we won that in the last three games, finished six and five, and we returned a lot of key pieces uh, on offense and defense. Uh, and I think we're we're poised to make a run. And I think the biggest thing that's our last go round in the OVC. Uh, the OVC schedule is five games this year, so I think it's wide open. I don't think there's anybody. Uh, it's uh, a presumptive favorite to run the table, and I think it's going to be uh, a lot of a lot of tough games uh, when you play those. Yeah. Before we get into the offense and defense, you mentioned about the OVC. What what is the future of Murray State football? Well, the future of Murray State football is uh, super bright. Next year, we are moving to the Missouri Valley Football Conference. Right. For those that don't know, 
uh, the, our athletics move to the Missouri Valley Conference, the Missouri Valley Football Conference, is actually totally separate. Uh, so our athletic teams move to the MVC this year. Our football team will move to the MVFC next year. And if you don't follow FCS football, I know you do, but uh, some of your listeners may not. That is, the best comparison is it's the SEC of the FCS. Right. I mean, you've got nine nine time national champion uh, North Dakota State, South Dakota State. Uh, I think they've got four teams. Those two in Southern Illinois, Missouri State, uh, are all ranked in the top ten right now. I think they got six teams in the playoffs last year. I mean, if you want to play FCS football, this is this is the preeminent conference in the country. And uh, we're we're ready. We are ready to take that next step. So next year we will we'll play our first year. It's our last year in the OVC. We're founding member of the league, uh, but we're going to turn the page next year and uh, get ready to have some new rivalries, see some new faces, some new places. And we couldn't be more excited about it. Yeah, and with good reason. Like you mentioned, what, what a great conference uh, that is, uh, especially as you, as you mentioned. It, is, it really does have the reputation of being the SEC of the FCS level. Uh, okay, let's go back to talking about this year, as you mentioned, last go-around OVC. Let's talk about the offense, Murray State offense first. I know you've got a couple of key guys back uh, in your quarterback and a, and a running back who rushed for over 900 yards. Just talk about the outlook for the offense and guys to watch. Well, uh, I think when you talk about guys to watch, you got to talk about uh, last year's OVC freshman of the year, uh, DJ Williams, our quarterback. Uh, DJ really had a a really good year. He was uh, he completed about fifty five percent of his passes, uh, threw for about a thousand yards. But the thing about DJ is uh, he he got it done on the ground too. Uh, gave us another five hundred and thirty two yards on the ground and six touchdowns, and to have a dual threat like that is really special, but especially when you can compare it with a guy like DeMonte Witherspoon, our running back that you just mentioned, uh, had 900 yards. He was an all-conference selection, and, uh, you know, those two are just so dynamic. And then you got another all-OVC receiver, Lamarchez Brooks, coming back for his COVID year. You've got an all-American lineman in Levi Nestler, which is such a great story, Levi down the road in Graves County, came here as a walk-on, uh, earned a scholarship, and now he's preseason All-American. Um, I don't know that, it, that that you could write a better story. And uh, his brother has joined the team this year, so we'll have two Nestlers uh, on the team. Uh, it's so uh, our offensive line lost a couple people, but I think we've went out and replaced those. And then you got another guy like DJ Jones, who's just – there's no other – way to describe him. He's just a massive human. Uh, he's, uh, he's someone who's just has a big physical presence, a lot like Levi. Uh, and I think the thing I have noticed, uh, out of practice is these guys are big, you know, they're big, they're tall. Uh, and I think, you know, they're ready to give some protection and, uh, to have a passing game and a running game. I think it's really going to make us uh, a, a threat in the OVC this year. Okay, what about on the other side of the ball uh, defensively? If I'm not mistaken, I think Murray was number one in the OVC in total defense last year. But from what I understand, you got got some holes to fill on the defensive side. What does it look like? We do. Uh, we lost a couple to the to the transfer portal. Uh, a couple guys went to Power Five schools, and and look, I maybe not everyone feels this way, but. Um, you know, they're gone and we wish them well, but uh, it's a next month man up mentality around here. So I think we've got plenty of guys that can, um, fill the void, so to speak. We've got Eric Samuda, who's an all conference guy. I had 77 tackles last year. Uh, Lawan Powell, his dad played here. And so he's one of five players on the roster this year from East St. Louis, which is super cool. Along with DeMonte Witherspoon. Um, that's just a powerhouse high school that just turns them out, and they've been coming here recently, and we hope they keep coming. Um, but, you know, uh, I think the the biggest uh, spot to fill is we'll, we'll need some people on the line, but we got a guy named Nate Chambers coming in. He's from uh, Hillsdale uh, in Michigan at D2. He, he's here for his COVID year, and 
I, I've seen him, talked with him a couple times. He's just a big kid, and I think that's the biggest thing that's impressive about us on both sides of the ball this year is how big we are and compared to maybe years past. And what about the, the schedule? You open up a tough one on September 3rd, uh, going to Lubbock to play Texas Tech. Uh, I know uh, a couple of uh, MAC teams uh, traditionally played over the years, got some more on the schedule. What, what about the Murray State schedule? Well, um, so I like it, uh, first of all. For, so basically the first three weeks, we've got FBS opponents uh, because Jacksonville State is in their transition year. Uh, so they're above the scholarship limit. Uh, so, But we'll have them, them at home. It'll be good to have them back uh, for one last time. And then Texas Tech and Ball State, those games are what they are. You know, um, we're, we're, we just want to go out there, play well, and just try not to get injured as you go into conference season. Um, you know, then we come back home on September 24th with Eastern Illinois, start the conference season. Uh, we'll have a small break. We'll go down to way down to Louisiana, uh, Hammond and play Southeastern Louisiana. They're 17 in the preseason in the playoffs last year. That's going to be, a really fun game, and then we'll come back here the next week, and it doesn't get any easier as we've got last year's OVC champs and number 18, UT Martin. Um, also on our schedule, uh, we've got Austin P, which is great. Uh, despite them moving to the ASUN and us moving next year, we're going to continue to play them. Uh, it's a great rivalry game. We'll get to play Lindenwood, who's moving up from D2. That's on the road. And then we'll have uh, we'll have Eddie George in the house on October 29th. I mean, for homecoming, does it get any better? Uh, play Tennessee State, and then we'll close out with Robert Morris, uh, who's, which is a non-conference game. And then we're at SEMO. I think the biggest difference this year is we've got a ton of non-conference games. We've got six because uh, there's seven teams in the OVC this year. Uh, with Lindenwood being a late addition, they couldn't get everybody scheduled. So we're actually not playing Tennessee Tech first time in 79 years, I believe, wow. Wow. Uh, that we are not not playing those guys. And so I just think, uh, I mentioned this earlier, I think the lead's wide open. When you've got only five games, you've got to make every one of those count. You can't take any weeks off. Right, right. Yeah, no, and have, yeah, very interesting schedule. And as you mentioned, a, uh, kind of a transition year for uh, the last for Murray State last year in the OVC before they move on to the Missouri Valley. Uh, I have a, a, so much respect for Dean Hood from the time that I knew him here and covered him when he was at UK and over at Eastern before that. And uh, I know he, you know, he's just a great all around football coach. And I know uh, racer fans are excited about this year and about the move. We we really are, um, and you, you know you said it about Dean. I mean, Dean's been a staple of collegiate football in this state for almost twenty years now, and uh, I mean he's a great coach, but he's such a good guy, yeah, and he absolutely. cares about these. He cares about these kids. He wants them to do well uh, in life, but he also wants to win on the field. And if you can find a guy that wants to do both of those things and can do both of those things, it just makes it so fun around here. The atmosphere is created and next year's move. Yeah, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be different, but we are ready. And like I said, uh, you know, if, if you want to really be the best, one of the best teams in collegiate football, you got to play the best. Right. And that's what we're going to do here in, in the, uh, the next few years. Parker, tell the tell the listeners how they can follow Murray State football online. Where's the best place to go for information, uh, whether online or on Twitter or social media, if they want to check out the racers? Hey, the best place you can uh, always go, uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, goracers.com. That's our website. You can find us on Twitter uh, at MSU Racers, and then we're on Instagram at Racer Athletics. Uh, we post a lot of stuff on our social, but if you want – uh, schedules, live links, tickets, any of that, GoRacers.com is the place to be. And we'd, uh, we'd love to have everybody out here in Western Kentucky see uh, Racer 1 make a couple laps uh, during some of these games. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, yeah, we're, we're really excited about this season. And we, uh, it, 
it's almost here. I can't believe it. Yeah, almost here. It's it, it's upon us, and I know it's a busy time of year for you, and I really appreciate you being on the podcast, and good luck to Coach Hood and the Racers uh, this season. And, Parker, we really appreciate you being on the podcast. Hey, thanks, John. I appreciate it. Okay, my thanks to Parker Griffith of Murray State Athletics for that scouting report on the racer. Should be an interesting season for Murray, their last in the OVC before they move to the Missouri Valley. And after the break, we'll be talking with Matt Shabert about the Moorhead State Eagles heading into the 2022 season. Okay, my guest now on the podcast is Matt Shabert, the Director of Media Relations uh, for Moorhead State Athletics, uh, primary football contact. The Moorhead State Eagles start their season this Saturday at Mercer on Saturday night. First of all, how you doing, Matt? I'm doing great. I appreciate the opportunity to talk about the Eagles. Well, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Uh, what I wanted to ask you, first of all, coming off a seven-win season last year for Moorhead, they went 6-2 and two in the Pioneer Football League. What uh, What's the outlook for the Eagles this year going into the 2022 season? As I mentioned, starting pretty quickly here on Saturday night. Yeah, I think it's very positive. Um, our coaching staff, Rob Tenure and, and his staff, and obviously some staff turnover, you know, year in and year out, but they do a pretty good job now. They've gotten to the to the point where they, they know their focus on recruiting. And obviously here at Moorhead State, it's, it's very unique because we are a, a non-scholarship, non-athletic scholarship program. And right. so, uh, you know, we've kind of gone all over the country and, and tried to find the right fit. And I think they've done really good at that here uh, recently. The last two years, we had two straight winning seasons. First time in, I think, about 15 years that's happened. So, And uh, the talent level um, is really high now. It really is. Um, and so we, we are looking up. Um, it, it is a little bit of a tough schedule. We'll get to that a little bit, I'm sure. Um, but overall, I think uh, we've had our media day. We've had uh, you know several weeks of practice and from what I've seen and heard, um, I think they really like this team. Um, they found a good combination um, and a lot of new positions to fill. And we'll get into that a little bit too, but um, just the overall talent level and the overall outlook is, is pretty positive. Of course, everyone's zero and zero right now. Right. So uh, <laughs> wait till a, a few weeks and we'll, we'll probably have a different outlook. But <laughs> as far as everything right now, uh, you know, Moorhead State's looking pretty good. Okay, let's start with the offense. Uh, what about what is the outlook for the Moorhead State offense? And who are two or three guys for uh, people to watch on that Eagles offense? And we're pretty much uh, like a lot of teams around the country now. Uh, a real spread offense. We've been very pass heavy for several years now. Um, we've also had very good quarterbacks and our system lends our quarterbacks to, you know, pile up a lot of yardage and a lot of, uh, opportunities for passing. Um, the run game has been a little bit lagging behind in the past few years, but we do have a guy I want to mention. His name's Chance Harris. He's a sophomore running back and they're very high on him. Uh, he's going to be our starting tailback. Um, 5'11", 180, so pretty good size. Um, limited action last year, real explosive. Uh, and every coach, even on the defensive side that I've talked to here, said this guy is, is the real deal and he could have a breakout season. So that's one guy to watch, Chance Harris running back. We will have a new quarterback. We had uh, Mark Pappas for the last four years, and he finished with uh, – Oh, close to eight or 9,000 yards, had 3,500 yards last year, uh, two-time first-team all-conference. So we'll be breaking in a new quarterback. For the time being, it's going to be Grady Kramer. And um, Grady comes from northern Kentucky, um, Highlands High School's a longtime powerhouse I know up there. Right. Um, and he's uh, you know 6'3", 220 guy. He throw, in fact, he, coaches said he probably throws um, – a more crisp, uh, a longer, got a lot more arm strength even than Mark, uh, even though he had a lot of stats last year. Grady had a few opportunities to get in there and and uh, had some limited uh, action. So uh, you'll probably see him at least starting. But we've got two other quarterbacks, Carter Cravens and Colin Paracek, who are freshmen, who honestly very well, even if Grady goes down or something happens, the they are very confident. This is the first time in several years they feel like they've got three quarterbacks who could all start. 
Uh, not something every coach uh, has. That's kind of a, a commodity. So uh, those two guys, um, of course, last year uh, we had, you know, all worldwide receiver B.J. Bird. He was the PFL Offensive Player of the Year. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he was a unanimous All-American. Really? We've never even come close to that here at Moorhead State. So all the records and everything, he was the go-to guy. So our wide receivers are probably going to be more like committee this year. I don't think you'll see anybody standing out per se. Um, Jeremiah Scott, Mikey Armour, Matt Guilfoyle. Uh, we got a new guy by the name of Gunnison Bloodgood uh, who – Kenny Lewis also, he's a transfer from West Virginia Wesleyan. So I can't really pick out anybody there, but I think you'll see the same kind of philosophy. It just may not be someone, you know, with 1,300 yards and 13 touchdowns. It may be spread around a little bit more this year. So, right. um, And a lot more depth on the offensive line, too, this year. That's good. What about on the defensive side of the ball? Who should we look for there? Defensive side, I think your uh, your main guy probably will be uh, a guy by the name of Devin Connors. He's a, a grad student. Uh, he transferred from Purdue uh, two years ago now. Uh, very well-spoken guy. He's a, a team captain um, this year. He will play what we, we um, term the animal position. It's a, essentially a linebacker, but it's a pass-rushing uh, kind of linebacker defensive line hybrid, mostly on the defensive line, but they can back up and play a little bit of linebacker too. Um, so he'll be, in my opinion, he'll probably be one of our better um, defensive uh, assets. Uh, our defensive backs, we have a guy by the name of Kyrie Keith. He's from Washington, D.C. Had four interceptions last year. I believe that either ladder was ranked second in the PFL a uh, real ball hawk. Um, and then another guy that just is relentless in the backfield um, is our strong safety. His name's Cooper Krizak. He's from Kansas City. Uh, redshirt sophomore, been in the program now uh, for three years. Um, great tackler. Um, and, um, you know, not, not huge size or anything, but those guys, also a team captain. Um, so, you know, anytime you get picked as a team captain and your peers pick you, and that's how they do it here, I think that says something for yourself that you're, you're, you know, even if your stats don't always match up, that you're a team leader. And if you're a captain, um, you're typically going to be a, a guy that'll stand out. So uh, defense, obviously, we also lost Vaughn Taylor, who was the PFL defensive player of the year. Uh, all-time uh, tackles for loss leader here, and just a a guy that you know almost had to be double teamed. So the defensive line will again similar to that wide receiver position. I don't know if you'll see. I mentioned Connors. I don't know if he'll have the production that Vaughn did, but um, definitely going to be more uh, the stats. I guess you could say they'll be more spread around this year. But that's good for our guys. They'll get a, a few more opportunities this year. Yeah. yeah. Okay, you you mentioned about the schedule earlier. Uh, a very challenging start for uh, for Moorhead State. Uh, opening up with opening up with uh, as I mentioned, playing Mercer on Saturday uh, down there. Then you go to Montana State. Talk a little bit about the schedule, and also talk a little bit about if you would about the Pioneer Football League. It's a to me, it's a very interesting conference with a lot of not, you know good schools and programs in it. When you talk about uh, Dayton up the road, Butler, Davidson, Drake, Marist, Moorhead State, Presbyterian, San Diego, St. Thomas, Stetson, and Valparaiso. Uh, just talk a little about the schedule and the league in general. Yeah, our schedule definitely. Uh, obviously, here we have to. Um, for yeah, I think this is the so this is the tenth year in a row. Every year that we that Rob Tenure has been head coach, we have played now a at least one top twenty five FCS team. Yeah. Obviously, that is a little you know that is a financial. Uh, asset for us, and yeah. and uh, it seems like we always get uh, we scheduled the Mercer game a couple years ago, and and we did I believe we did uh, uh, VMI a couple years ago. We had Illinois State, and when we scheduled them, they were having down years. Murray State was another one. <laughs> well, lo and behold, you get up to the season, and then they're in the top twenty-five. So um, we've been, we've been a little unlucky there, but you know it's a good opportunity for our guys to go play at a. This year, two top 25 teams, Mercer, uh, obviously, starting out Saturday. 
And then Montana State, I mean, I don't know what else you can say. They were in the in the championship game last year. Right. So that's going to be an incredible trip uh, out there for them. And then we've got uh, the local team here, Kentucky Christian, who actually is pretty athletic and a, not a bad uh, NAIA program. They gave us a pretty good game a few years ago. It's sometimes hard to tell, obviously, with those two ranked teams and then a, a KCU what you're going to get when you go into PFL play. And you mentioned the PFL. It is a very interesting, unique league, uh, the only FCS non-scholarship league. Uh, so literally coast to coast, um, you've got uh, San Diego has been pretty much the front runner for several years uh, out west. And then but up and coming team now has been Davidson, and they've won the last two PFL titles yeah davidson i don't they got a new coach and um they run uh basically uh almost like a triple option no right. no not much passing it's very hard to prepare for um uh, but they were pretty much the doormat for several years uh just all of a sudden got pretty good so um it is interesting you, you never know what you're going to get year in and year out um just because of that non-scholarship and who's the retention for each program is is different uh, but it's a it's a fun league. Dayton, like I said, Dayton has become, you know, in our opinion, a pretty good rivalry over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, only a couple hours away. Uh, Butler's not too far. Uh, kind of a regional opponent. Even Valparaiso um, is, uh, you know, about six hours away. So not not too bad. So yeah, you would probably again have to look at Davidson and San Diego to be the front runner. But we were picked right up there. I think fourth uh, this year. So we're you know, we, we, we can hold our own. Um, the travel, obviously, um, there are some flights. We got to fly to Stetson um, this year in Montana State. Uh, we always have to fly to San Diego. So right. the league in of itself is, depending on how the schedule falls, you can have two or three flight trips a year. And for our guys and our level, that's not really the norm, but we have to uh, kind of work around it. So right. you definitely get to go see places, and our guys uh, – you know, might be from here, then have a chance to go to San Diego every other year or up to New York and play Marist. Uh, some great scenery in this league, I'll put it that way. Yeah, yeah, it sure seems like it. And, and you, about Coach Tenure earlier, going into his 10th season, really seems to have established himself and really built a really solid up-and-coming program there at Moorhead State, it seems, as you mentioned about the back-to-back winning seasons and so forth. Yeah, I think it. You know, it, it took a while, but they they found, like I mentioned, they found the uh, the right recruiting philosophy and get the right guys here for our program. And and obviously, you know, we don't have the the facilities like everybody else has, and there's some shortcomings. But our guys really enjoy coming here. They just they have that opportunity to play Division One football. Right. Um, you know, great atmosphere here. Um, uh, uh, crisp fall day. It's very pretty over here in Moorhead, uh, here in the kind of the foothills. Um, and I'll tell you one thing that the coaches have done, um, uh, that has, has worked, um, is we have recruited the, the California junior colleges, believe it or not, we have 18 guys on our roster from, uh, California, either a junior college or, or somehow they are, they're from California. And we found some great talent out West there. Obviously, big state and um but um you know they've they've got a little bit of a pipeline there and and they've recruited that and we've had some great talent from out there in california which you wouldn't think of here in moorhead kentucky but it, it has worked <laughs> well definitely a moorhead state is a it's a pretty place to go to school a pretty place to play football so i can see the attraction uh even even coming in from california uh Matt, tell, yeah. the, tell the listeners how they can follow uh Moorhead State uh, online, how they can get their information about schedule, rosters, uh, whether it be, uh, you know, at the website or Twitter or any other kind of social media. Yeah, the, the our website is msueagles.com. Uh, everything you would need is uh, pretty much on the website. We're actually about to uh, unveil uh, here in early September a new look for our website. So. Oh, good. Be looking for that. We're going to try to enhance that a little bit, and that's msueagles.com. Uh, we do. We think we do a pretty good job on our social media um, at msueagles um, for Twitter, Facebook, uh, and uh, Instagram. 
And then the football team, um, they do pretty good too. They're just simply at MSU Eagles FB, and they are on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, so, yep, um, uh, tickets, it's very affordable uh, for if anyone's interested in coming out and see some, um, some I guess, mid-major college uh, football, real affordable. Our ticket link is right on there on our website. Uh, tailgating is, is really big here. We've got a great tailgate location in our, um, our parking lot, literally with steps from the field. So uh, you, can, you can tailgate, you can go in to uh, see first half. You can actually go back out and tailgate during halftime and come back in and get the second half. There so, you go. Can't beat that. Yep. <laughs> right. So, but yep, that's it. Uh, so um, we'd love to have everyone uh, come out and support us. I think it'll be a, a good year. Like I said, it's, uh, it's a pretty atmosphere here and we got a good, uh, good game day. Well, that's great. Well, I know looking forward to the season. I know you're a busy guy with the game on Saturday night, so I really appreciate, Matt, you taking the time to talk to us, and good luck to the Eagles, and thanks again for being on the podcast. Thank you so much. Anytime. Okay, that'll do it for this edition of the John Clay Podcast. I want to thank all my guests, Rickson Lane of Eastern Kentucky University Athletics, Tyler Roper of Western Kentucky University Athletics, Parker Griffith down at Murray State at Murray State University Athletics, and Matt Shabert over at Moorhead for the Moorhead State Eagles. Remember, Moorhead State, they open Saturday at Mercer, and Western Kentucky opens Saturday at home against Austin P. So check out those games as well. Check out all those guys online for all the information, schedules, rosters for their teams. We appreciate all four of them being on the podcast. We're really looking forward to the college football season. Like I mentioned, we'll have a, a Louisville preview early next week. Uh, we'll talk with Jody Demling about the Cardinals, and then we'll have we'll get into our regular rotation where we will be previewing the Kentucky-Miami of Ohio game on Saturday, September 3rd, which is UK's opener as well. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at John Clay IV. Send me an email, jclay at herald-leader.com. You can subscribe and leave a rating and review. You can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio Podcasts. Thanks again to all my guests. Good luck to all those schools this season as they start the 2022 campaign. And thanks to everybody for listening. We'll catch you next time on the John Clay Podcast.